0: we have Han Solo played by Harrison Ford. The famous coat. Yes. (laughs) It is an amazing coat. I was like, all of the Rebels should have taken a cue from Han Solo.
1: Oh my gosh, can you imagine that Darth Vader would have been coming down to the planet and saw everyone in these nice coats. They're like, yeah, I think that's them. (laughs)
0: hello and welcome to the art of costume i'm elizabeth joy glass
1: and i am darth lord spencerius how's it going elizabeth
0: <laughs> it's going good i love how you tried to speak or tried to sneak your lordship in there well, still doesn't count
1: no it counted this time it's darth come on
0: <laughs> mm. and
1: i actually had to practice that one that was a mm-hmm. mouthful hmm happy sure, coachella elizabeth were you at coachella last week or this weekend
0: yeah i went to coachella <laughs> spencer you know me i just gotta go every single year
1: <laughs> would you ever go i feel like we should go next year
0: uh, i mean i'm not opposed to going i think it would really really depend on who's playing who's performing
1: okay like a florence and the machine perhaps or
0: like a Florence and the Machine like Beyonce I would go to that yeah it would just depend like I don't even know who was performing there
1: this year Bunny perhaps no
0: (laughs) I'm not a Bad Bunny fan (laughs) that is that is not my uh area of interest well
1: I am as you know I have a very strong sense of FOMO with literally everything in life even if I don't care about it like I've never wanted to go to Coachella so bad in my life and I'm just really suffering through that right now
0: I also (laughs) feel like that's the kind of event where it's like you can't worry about spending money like if you're gonna like be worried about spending money like I feel like I wouldn't have as good of a time because it just looks so expensive (laughs)
1: oh yeah very much so um it's kind of out of this world which brings us to this week's topic we are starting our star wars month our annual star wars month now
0: yes
1: i'm so excited i listened to last year's star wars episode and that was a journey when we talked about a new hope.
0: <laughs> it was. That was a long episode. I looked at that and I was like, ooh, how is this gonna fit into our shorter format? But we can do it. Well, it's cause It'll George. Great.
1: We had to deal follow George Lucas's uh, kookiness. We were kind of uncovering yeah. it for the first time. So we yeah. are mentally prepared this time for whatever nonsense comes out of your magic book.
0: Oh, I hope you're ready for it because it's uh, somebody else's this time. Not all George Lucas.
1: Right. And with so much information to cover, we felt like we needed a special co-host to help us yes. get through all of this. She is a dear friend of mine, a costumer, a seamstress, just all around. She does everything cool in life and I'm obsessed with her. Her name is Natalie Lucia. Welcome to the podcast.
2: (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Happy to be here.
1: (laughs) So happy to have you here. You, I mean, one of the biggest Star Wars aficionados that I know. So when we were planning this episode, I just knew I had to reach out.
2: Well, I appreciate it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Funny story. I actually ran into Natalie uh, a couple weeks ago at a return of the king screening. I saw
0: that. It looks <laughs> like so much fun.
2: <laughs> it really was. I just happened to look out on the lobby and go, Spencer?
1: <laughs> I was like in full like incognito wearing like a Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> hoodie with my large popcorn and coke <laughs> trying to avoid eyes <laughs> and then I heard someone call my name with a bunch of elves and a potential hobbit in a corner I was like, whoa
0: <laughs> The fellowship was calling for you? So yeah, Honestly, <laughs> it was one of the
1: best nights of my life. It was so funny <laughs>
0: We laughed, we cheered we
2: cried. It was Good times. And we all made it. Well, did all of us make it through the four hours and 20 minutes of that bathroom break? I don't know.
1: I had one bathroom break, which actually for me is an Ah, accomplishment. Because usually it's Super Mario Brothers. I had like three bathroom breaks. The movie was like an hour long. So (laughs) (laughs) it's a miracle. (laughs)
0: So obviously you were dressed up as Arun at this event. And I have to say... I, Because Spencer sent me your Instagram profile and I went through and I was like, oh my goodness, you are so (laughs) talented. Like, your cosplay is all so on point. What made you (laughs) get into cosplay and costumes to begin with? It's kind of a long story, but I'll condense it. I went through a very bad breakup
2: and during the relationship, there were a lot of things that I had wanted to do. I wanted to go to my first convention. I wanted to go to Halloween Horror Nights, you know, things like that. And the person just wasn't into it. And so when it ended, I made the decision, I'm going to do all these things that I didn't get to do, you know, because of situation. Uh, (laughs) And I just kind of jumped into it. So I went to my first convention. I bought, you know, like a party city daenerys costume to wear and it's fine like no shame on party city costumes but when i went to the con you know you see all these all these gorgeous costumes that people have spent months and you know years working on and i was like i want to get to that level yeah Um, just for me personally i really like having those finite details and really knowing the costume also party city costumes don't always necessarily fit you you know because they're not made yeah uh tailored so I kind of jumped in my first costume was uh Ray from The Force Awakens and my grandmother Ooh. helped me with it um I didn't really know how to sew I could sew a button I could you know fix a hem if, if necessary <laughs> but I didn't yeah. I didn't really know anything about other than that and um she kind of helped me learn how to gather you know how to set a <laughs> hem and things and then Rogue One came out and I wanted to be Jin or so, but I wanted to be a really good gin or so. And my grandma was like, nope, can't help you. It's too advanced. <laughs> 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 and so I just kept jumping to find people who you know when i ask how do you do this what fabric is this what skill is this what technique um and just through that i kind of grew as, as a seamstress and a costumer and kind of kept progressing and the the costumes that you're showing here it's also funny because they all I learned completely different skills like for Cobb Vance I'd never done leather work like with the spats um that's handmade saddle stitching that I had to do it was over 35 hours of work to make them it's Jeez. all leather wow. um I'd never done that before <laughs> i was <laughs> like i want to learn how to do it um for arwen you know there's no commercial patterns for her costume there are some that are good you know fairly decent but their simplicity they're just the the generic ones that aren't always going to follow the correct seam lines and, and things like that so oh, i reached to out to other patterns costumers <laughs> <laughs> no I wish I knew about that <laughs> and just kind of uh you know jumped into my my Lord of the Rings kick and so I made most of Arwen's uh costumes so like the green one the red and blue mm-hmm. uh the blue one and so on and then just kind of i jump around a spencer will tell you like one day i'll be like i really like that harley quinn costume and the next day i want to make a padme <laughs> so,
1: it's I'm exhausted i want to make this you. one from
2: titanic <laughs> 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 um and that's just kind of how i got into it
1: you are so talented and i just <laughs> always blown away she, uh, natalie messages me all the time be like what do you think of this fabric on this Check it. I'm like, girl, I can't see shit. I don't know <laughs> what kind of fabric that is, but good luck. You know, she's just so talented and has such an eye. And we're so excited to have you with us to break down. Yeah. I think probably one of the best Star Wars films, maybe right next to Rogue One. I don't know. But um I'm so excited to get into it. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. Let's do it. And Spencer, <laughs> do you want to start us off with your summary?
1: Sure. Okay, <laughs> Luke, Skywalker, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, and Chewbacca face attack by the Imperial forces and its AT-AT walkers on the ice planet Hoth. While Han and Leia escape in a Millennium Falcon, Luke travels to Dagobah in search of Yoda. Only with the Jedi Master's help will Luke survive when a dark side of the force beckons him into the ultimate duel with Darth Vader. And that is The Empire Strikes Back.
0: That is the Empire Strikes Back. Spoilers from here on out. So <laughs> I don't know how we could spoil anything for you. The movie's like 50 years old. It yeah. came point, out in
2: 1980. So, right. uh, um, yeah. what is that? 23 years? 40? No, because Return of the Jedi is 40 this year. So since that came out before, it would be Third. 43.
1: Uh, You guys said there won't be any math involved in this episode, so. (laughs) It is
0: very old. (laughs) But with that being said, let's go behind the wardrobe. Um, So this time around, we have director Irvin Kirshner, executive producer and writer George Lucas, producer Gary Kurtz. And of course, costume designer John Mallow, who ooh, you will ooh, know, ooh. <laughs> who you will know from a New Hope for which he won uh, an Oscar. Alien, the Empire Strikes Back, which we are reviewing today. <laughs> Gandhi, which he won his second Oscar, and Chaplin, which he did with Alan Mirajnik. So things were a little bit different. This time around, uh, Georgie Lucas was not directing. And so Malo had a little bit of a different experience. But production for Empire Strikes Back started in fall of 1978. Ralph McQuery and Joe Johnston were rehired and began creating the concept art for the Empire Strikes Back. Around the same time, Malo was given the script, some early storyboards. And a binder of some of the costume concepts by McCreary and Johnston. After breaking down the script, script and creating some sketches of his own, Malo set the preliminary budget at two hundred and five to two hundred and seventy-seven mm, thousand dollars. Doesn't sound like enough. No, <laughs> uh-huh. I
1: would say not. Nope. <laughs> Here we go again. <laughs>
0: With a new director, there was a change of the atmosphere of the production that Malo felt. And he said, they were quite detail-oriented. I would show them sketches and samples, but it was quite a long, drawn-out process to get them to decide what they wanted. So, uh, Irvin and and producer Gary Kurtz, they have... Um, quite a lot of say in the costumes and a lot of ideas and they had more of like a drawn out process and they like to see like samples so it was a much more involved process for Malo he ended up finishing the costumes in July of uh, 1979 and at that point the overall production of The Empire Strikes Back was behind schedule and over budget.
1: Shocking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? I think it's because A New Hope was such a production nightmare with, you know, C-3PO falling apart and you know everything's breaking and John Mallow was not even a costume designer at that point and George Lucas was just like this nobody. Like that was such a disaster so then when it got to Empire Strikes Back and we're like okay you're a costume designer now you have an Oscar this is what we're looking for i think everyone was like whoa 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 like we're on a real movie set this time
0: yeah and it it sounds like irvin was just very like much more artistic about it than maybe george lucas was and mm-hmm. like took it sounds like he just took a lot a lot longer to make decisions <laughs> This was the only Star Wars movie that he directed. And it was the last Star Wars movie that John Mallow designed. He did not mm-hmm. design mm-hmm. any after this. Right.
1: Well, I mean, he did the thing.
0: It's fascinating, though, that his designs carry over.
2: like right. Yeah. Pieces of it carry into Jedi and into, you know, Rogue One and, and all the other ones. So it's interesting. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: it's that's a great point. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of designers tend to do that, too. With, like, TV series or films, they love to, like, set... The image because like you just said i mean we just watched the mandalorian and and you know like bad batch the cartoon where we're still yeah. seeing designs that john malo created appearing now in 2023 and that's that's incredible an accomplishment in itself so
0: and i think i think that particular, like the overall star wars look i think it's really like malo johnston and McQuery their overall vision of like the Star Wars world, I think it was just so well thought out between the two of them and documented because they they made so much art for these movies that mm-hmm. I think there's just like an endless supply of inspiration for anybody making a Star Wars TV show or movie. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
1: And with that, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we have about a million and two costumes to talk about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> To travel to my favorite planet, which is Ha.
0: I guess true. so. I'm not a fan of the cold, but yeah,
1: that's true. You would not <laughs> do very well on Hoth. Me, on I the other wouldn't. hand, it seems like a paradise.
0: It would be for you <laughs> after the after the desert for all these years. Um, right. Where it's currently like 88 degrees. So it sounds good yeah. to go there.
1: <laughs> I'm sweating right now. So. <laughs>
0: Well, I doubt the snowtroopers of the Rebel Alliance are uh, <laughs> at all warm. Doesn't look it. And for the Rebel snowtroopers, Mello said the Rebel snowtroopers uniforms are based on logic more than anything else. And this logic w- was not only a simple design choice, but it was also very pra- a very practical one. Uh, Johnson remembered Lucas wanted everything to look like it was secondhand, kind of thrown together, uh, with several different looks among the troopers. However, for the practicality of manufacturing, they settled on a single design. And while the suits were designed to look warm, they were not. And producer Jim Bloom recalled wearing one of the suits as an extra, saying, the costumes were pretty thin. (laughs) They were built to work in the studio, not to be out in minus 20 degree weather. The Norwegians were incredibly hardy, and they used to put their costumes on over whatever snow stuff they were already wearing. I know know when I was dressed up as an extra, I looked more like the Michelin man (laughs) than myself with all the layers.
1: (laughs) That's brilliant.
0: (laughs) Which... I love the I love these looks because it's kind of it's different from what we've seen from the Rebels so far. And it's just kind of like a fresh blank palette to start the film.
2: But what's also interesting, I I had mentioned um, I'd worked on a couple of these for people base and I, for myself. They're made out of cotton, the outer, um, the long sleeved part, because there's three sections. The outer is just like a hoodie. It's got a hood and then it's it's lined cotton, which is not warm
1: at all no i i guess i never even thought of it before i i've seen you know this scene a thousand million times and i guess i know i just always assumed it was like warm and everyone's having a good time i for some reason just (laughs) believe this scene wasn't possible of not being perfect in every sense of the form (laughs) but everyone's probably miserable i never thought of it like that
0: (laughs) they were fairly warm amalo did buy everybody like really good waterproof shoes Mm -hmm. because he was like that's like the the easiest way to get a bunch of miserable actors (laughs) out in like in Norway with wet feet he was so he like kept their feet warm and dry uh the rest not so much and I was kind of confused by that quote at first I was like thin like thin fabric because like You see them out and it like looks bulky, but when he says like, oh, they were putting it over existing like snowsuits, it's like, oh, okay, that's where that like bulkiness comes from. Right, And you want to talk about just random, like, when was this
2: movie made? Their snow goggles are um like Olympic snow ski goggles from the 80s. So you can't really find them anymore. Um, really? And that's why they're all sold out and super pricey on eBay now. <laughs> because they also have those distinct color lenses, um, the yellow yeah. lens, which is also really difficult to come by. So <laughs> that's why you don't see too much of these particular costumes. Um because a lot of the detail work, you know, they, they don't sell them anymore, or if you can find them it's considered vintage now and really wow. overpriced.
1: This is why you're here cuz I would never ever come across that fact. <laughs> this was <is> fun <laughs> already.
0: <laughs> That's the kind of information you get from cosplayers cuz they they've already researched everything yeah. cuz they try to make it. <laughs> um, and then the greeblies have no purpose.
2: Like yeah. none at all except to look decorative. Um,
1: yeah. So that
2: one <laughs> Yeah, all of those are like 3D printed for most people because, again, we don't know what they were. Um, Sometimes we can look at things and be like, oh, that was taken from a camera, you know, or that was taken from a a razor or whatever. Uh, But these, as far as I know, no one's been able to identify what they actually are from. So everyone who has them now is like, that
0: was 3D printed because we don't know what it was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I remember reading about that, like when we did the first movie, and like they didn't even know what they were doing. They were just like, oh, let's stick this. Uh, <laughs> Nobody
1: knows, but it's provocative. Uh yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, with that, we have to talk about our favorite leading lady, yes. the incredible Princess Leia, played by Carrie Fisher, who we all love dearly.
0: Yes, this is one of her best looks ever. Truly. And it really is. Malo wanted to follow the same monochromatic color scheme that Leia had in the first film. But make it more like battle ready, giving her the snowsuit that she wears through most of the film. And after receiving the jumpsuit from Rocket Sport, a British British skiwear company, um, Malo's team had to quite the job of breaking it down to look lived in and keeping it that way, as Rosemary Worth, Carrie Fisher's dresser, recalled saying. When the costume was washed in the evenings, I would have to recreate the breaking down pattern for the next day. I found it (laughs) difficult at times to keep track of the continuity. Damage would happen in one scene, and then you'd have to reapply it for the next scene on another day.
1: Oh, no. Were they not doing which multiples that, back then? That's what I
2: was going to say. It sounds like she only had one, which doesn't make sense. You'd think stunt doubles and, you know, in case anything yeah. happens, yeah. why not have maybe, I don't know, three?
1: Well, actually, I mean, <laughs> yeah. multiples really weren't a big thing back in the day. It's kind of actually a more contemporary idea with films, you know, nowadays. Yeah. But
0: Well, they were doing multiples on this film for other looks, but I didn't, it didn't say in the book whether or not they had that many it's from the way they were talking about it it sounded like they were washing any ones they had every single day that's crazy and it would just come out in the wash
1: well i mean worth it i mean i uh, love this look it's definitely one of my all-time favorite princess leia looks I, because i think she looks so bad already is why i enjoy it because it's mm-hmm. you know it has what we love about princess leia she's beautiful she's glamorous but then she's also powerful and ready to like kick your ass in a moment's notice, you know so
2: and I have a fun detail note about this one because I also made this one <laughs> if you <laughs> if you look at her sleeve where she has the Greebly, the bigger square shape is um a tape a tape measuring thing. What do you call oh. it? you know oh my where they measure that's what that is <laughs> and they it just is. painted it and like re you know moved things around a little bit so it would look like that um I don't know what the other piece was I know we identified it but I can't remember but I know the bigger piece is a tape measure
1: <laughs> that is so wild this costume is made of whatever was in John Malo's garage
2: <laughs> right much, threw on whatever much. and piping galore like everywhere yeah. you look on this stupid thing it's piping <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but it, I think it is her best look, and like for all the reasons you said, Spencer. Like, it's beautiful. She's beautiful in it, and she's just ready to kick ass mm-hmm. all the time. The yeah. only
2: thing I think is funny is you know they were rushing to escape Hoth to escape the Empire, and she was very distinctly wearing those um, white shoes that you can see the white boots, or yeah. excuse me, not the white. She was wearing the gray boots. And then suddenly they're on the Millennium Falcon and she has white boots for the rest of the time. And I'm like, was she just keeping a spare set of boots on Han's ship Look, just in case? Stay
1: what? ready so you don't have to get ready. Yeah. She kept her <laughs> boots with her. I don't, know why, I don't understand why that's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she definitely so had random. shoes on the Falcon.
0: <laughs> yeah. Moving on. Another battle-ready Skywalker. We have Luke. And while While deciding Luke's first look, both Mkhiri and Malo thought he needed to stand out from the other Rebels. However, after talking with Lucas, it was decided that as part of the Rebellion, Luke needed to dress like everyone else as he did at the end of the first film. To differentiate him, Malo had Luke wear the khaki vest of the Rebel technicians over the snowsuit. And then his boots were modeled after those of the Canadian military and made by the London bootmaker Anello and David. Malo said, we copied the design and made it a bit smarter. Ordinary Moloch's would have been much rougher. Mm. Okay, but you know, the interesting thing about that is that the trench
2: troopers that we just were talking about wear the exact same shoes. I mean, there might be some small modifications,
0: but here it sounds like Luke had special shoes, but they're the same. It's um, his, there are shoes under like this wrapping part. Right, yeah. So I think they all had the same wrapping part, but I wish I put a picture of the shoes because they did look nice. Um, they're really fun they shoes. They're different, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's interesting i was always interested by like the rag that was coming off of his goggles like as long as when i was a kid i was like he's such an interesting headpiece i never <laughs> quite understood it but it's like so iconic to me you know when i see that i'm like oh that's luke skywalker from hoth like that's what it, look, it out looks more me. like
2: he should be on the desert right like he's gonna wrap it around yeah. like
0: egypt or something
1: yeah like lawrence
0: of arabia yeah or something. yeah
1: yeah and maybe that is what they're going for i never quite understood it but somehow it makes sense at the same time i just like accept it you know
0: just like a scarf a little scarf keep the wind out of your
2: face and then the funny things about the gloves is um you can't really find anything exact for that nowadays but uh gardening gloves look exactly like that so you just take that you sand off the logos on the gardening gloves and voila you've got French Trooper and Luke Skywalker gloves. Amazing.
1: (laughs) I'm going to do that after
0: Somebody who had no interest in looking like he was a part of the Rebel Alliance, we have Han Solo played by Harrison Ford. The famous coat. Yes. It is an amazing coat. I was like, all of the Rebels should have taken a cue from Han Solo. Like, he is a snappy dresser.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, can you imagine that Darth Vader would have been coming down to the planet and saw everyone in these nice coats? You're like, hey, yeah, I think that's them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I was saying, unlike Luke's re- rebel regulation outfit, Malo gave Han a coat unique to his style while still adding elements like the greebly found on the other rebel uniforms. While brown in real life, the jacket appeared to be navy on film due to the film's color grading. And subsequently, toys and other merchandise depicting this look often made the coat navy.
1: Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, the infamous
2: coat from hell. Everybody's like, it's brown, it's blue, it's brown. It's, I mean, coming to blows over the color of a coat. It's hilarious.
0: Which I thought that was so funny because I was... I had always thought this was a brown coat like <laughs> I didn't know people thought this was anything other than brown till I was doing my research and I was like wait hold on a second
1: honestly I never thought of it until like this morning I guess <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm kind of jealous I wasn't in on this controversy before today
2: what I find interesting just cuz you have this picture up is his rank badge is the same as Leia's. Mm. I think Leia was playing favorite. So they ranked them the same. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I I mean I'm familiar with his costumes but I don't know them as well. So just seeing that I'm like, oh, I did not know that. And also the fact that he wears his holster and belt outside of the jacket. <laughs>
0: it's smart. It's, you it, know, got to yeah. be able to reach the blaster. Yeah.
1: Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's he he knows cool. how
0: to Keep himself alive, and it's having the blaster ready. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then dun, dun, dun. we have <laughs> we have the Wampa, which I could not find much information about the Wampa.
1: He's but, been forgotten.
0: <laughs> uh, he's mm-hmm. been absolutely forgotten. Justice for the Wampa. Um, yes. But uh, according to StarWars.com, there have been two. Life size Wampa suits uh, were made for both the first version of the Empire Strikes Back and the special edition. Des Webb donned the outfit first, but because the costume was so heavy and cumbersome, he had trouble with overheating. <laughs> for the special edition, Howie Weed came up with a new design for the suit. And shot fresh footage that was mixed with the original scenes from the film.
1: That is so crazy. I can't believe they did that. I am a big fan of the Wampas. Like, I remember being as a kid thinking this was like the scariest scene in a movie I've ever seen. I just, every single time I've like got to look away. But seeing pictures of the suit of how massively tall it was, I mean, we need to find. I hope these aren't sitting in someone's garage somewhere, or I will scream. They probably are. I mean, yeah.
2: in the picture we're looking at, there's the dude holding the wampa's arm, and he's half the <laughs> size of the wampa. So how yeah. tall is it? You know, he's at least 10, 11 feet tall.
1: That's, That's huge. crazy. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand the construction. It's it's incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I understand, like, because it's part puppet, part wearable costume. But, like, I just always assumed it was, like, a full, like, puppet. Like, that there was someone, like, behind the scenes, not in the suit.
1: It's so funny that Natalie mentioned the man holding the arm. Because <laughs> I, I, was... didn't, I didn't realize that was a man. And now it looks even more ridiculous. <laughs> it's like I think it was? I just it didn't... My eyes are playing tricks on me. There's, like, this... <laughs> I think it's, like, a... <laughs> It's like a little thing <laughs> holding onto this big suit, and now I'm like, oh, that's a person, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's so big.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at his hand. His hand is holding the Wampus like paw, and the paw <laughs> yeah. itself is like what four times bigger than the guy's hand. It's crazy. Oh,
0: yeah, this thing, like, that's amazing. I would not have thought this was such like a large piece because you just like like oh it's like the seventies they it was probably like smaller and they just made it look huge. Yeah. Was, like, no it's just it's just huge you mean I it was... wasn't forced perspective <laughs>
1: yeah what? <laughs> that's what I was thinking like is a Lord of the Rings trick or something <laughs> uh wow that's great
0: <laughs> what was not ever forced perspective was the uh, imperial snowtroopers which. I always thought these guys looked so cool.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The Imperial snow troopers were simply supposed to be stormtroopers troopers outfitted for snow. However, Johnson McQueery had a lot of ideas and a lot of direction from George Lucas. Uh, Johnston recalled a very specific reference Lucas made, saying, When George began working on the snow battle, he showed me an Ian Sten film called Alexander Nevesky in his invasion scene where you see a huge Russian army coming across the plains. He really liked the idea that you saw these things coming in and you didn't know what they were yet. Lucas also wanted the snowtroopers to have a samurai feel about them. And Johnson said, He didn't want it to look Japanese. He just wanted it to have that multi-layered look. By the time McQuarrie and Johnson finished the concept art, all John Mallow had to do was make very few practical changes uh, to bring these illustrations to life.
1: I love that. And, you know, we talked about this before, but, you know, John Mallow and George Lucas... Uh, Ridley Scott they were all super inspired by samurais at this time you know we see that Mm -hmm. in Alien we see that in the first Star Wars film they were talking about doing it for the Dune movie that they never made so it's (laughs) I can't believe that this trend is still continuing into uh, Empire Strikes Back I mean it's super cool they are like the coolest to me uh, Mm -hmm. stormtroopers besides the Praetorian Guards which we just saw in The Mandalorian so yeah yeah super exciting I know, costumes
2: i know people who have these costumes and they love them one because of how iconic they look but also because you can sit down you can't sit down when you're wearing stormtrooper armor um so
1: they love wearing
2: that one um yeah you can't really do much in a tk <laughs> but it looks cool though and the visibility, believe it or not, in these particular helmets is actually really good. Um, just because of the placement of where the eyes are. So, you know, you get to sit, you can see better, and you look cool. I I love these.
1: Look, I'm a big fan of any uh armor that you could sit down in. So that's a right? big plus to me. Yeah. But we'll talk about pockets later. But sitting down <laughs> is step one, you know. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And I love just because like, you know, you're expecting like, oh, it's the Empire that we're like the stormtroopers about to come in. And then something like almost scarier than a (laughs) stormtrooper comes in like zero facial features, just like this white mass. Like Like they don't even have mouths. They have no No. mouths. And it's like, yeah, they have little like slits to look out of. But like, I would not call those eyes. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: that's definitely scary. I also love how quick the Empire was able to throw these looks together. You know, it was just like, you know, remember, they're like Darth Vader. I think they're there. And he's like, yeah, that's them. Send the troops down. And they had this entire wintry, road, wintry wardrobe all set, ready to go, which I love. He's ready. He also stays ready so they don't have to they're... get ready.
0: Yeah, they're the Empire. They probably a look tailors. for Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> they had someone like Natalie on board and they're like, yo, we need a bunch of white, wintry, scary armor suits.
2: <laughs> on it. Oh, but what's also funny is the little like jacket cape thing that looks like a skirt that you can see in the back of their costumes. That's just made of like um, polar fleece oh like Ooh, that sounds yeah.
0: cozy <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah it's so funny like people go "Oh, so, can you make me this i'm like yeah what's it made of oh the fleece that they sell at joanne's <laughs> i was yeah. like oh okay
1: <laughs> not shocked about this actually yeah i can make
0: that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and with that See. we are leaving hoth yes <laughs> and taking a break <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're going to Dagobah after this. So, yeah,
0: kind of Time for a
2: swamp. <laughs> Time for insects and mosquitoes because that's what's happening now, right?
0: They're going <laughs> to come out again, old <laughs> <little Yeah>. bastards. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back.
1: What's up, costume nerds? This is Spencer, co-host and producer of the Art of Costume Blogcast. I love the simple things in life. Free parking, air conditioning, and a nice comfortable hoodie. If you feel the same way, then I'm here to let you know that if you wanted to support our show, you can head over to theartofcostume.com slash podstore. There you can buy awesome blogcast merch through TeePublic, such as t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, and stickers. We even have a baby onesie for all those baby costume designers out there. To get your merch, head over to the artacostume.com slash pod store. Thank you for all your support. We're ready to get back into Empire Strikes Back?
2: Yeah, part dude!
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> we have a quick glance at some really interesting bounty hunters, which I always loved the scene. They were always so creepy. Uh, we see, I believe his name is Bosk, right? And right. that yellow suit. Always, I loved how, how long his arms were. I had like a Bosk doll back in the day. That was super fun. And we get our first look at the IG model and Boba Fett, which. I mean, talking about icons, right?
2: Okay, but also, I didn't know this, but okay, so if you look at Bosk for a second, he's wearing a white flak vest, which is what the X-Wing pilots wear,
1: Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. I
2: find interesting. And then his belt is an X-Wing pilot's belt, and so is that um, silver belt, too. So they just repurposed probably pieces from the X-Wing pilot costume.
1: Yeah. Or I he went think... to, like, the thrift store and found it. You know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Or what? he uh,
0: took one out. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. He captured one and was like, I really like this vest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: more importantly, we have a Han Solo outside of his Hoth coat. And for Han, they really wanted to maintain his independent nature from the first film, So Malo decided to keep the overall Han aesthetic the same, changing it it up only bits and pieces here. Uh, The red stripe on his pants uh, is now a bunch of like little yellow horizontal stripes, a new style of white shirt, and the jacket just mimics the style of the vest he had in the first film.
1: Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess I never put it together, but it is like very uh, echo of what he wore in the first film. I love the wrap of the white shirt.
0: I love it too, and it's just like it's a more like it's less like scoundrel Han and more like responsible Han. <laughs> he's mm. Grown up, yeah, he's grown up. He has yeah. things to fight for now. But he still. If he says he doesn't.
1: He is still kind of like the bad boy Han though. He he still has oh, his yeah. cool like hot pants, you know, but he is a little <laughs> bit more grown up.
0: His hot pants. Harrison Ford and some hot pants. Yes. I'm here for it. <laughs> yes. But I particularly like the the shirt on this one, especially because like obviously there are no fasteners shown in Star Wars. And I just think I find it fascinating how they made this kind of shirt without showing fasteners. Like, I know it's simple, but it's just like when you look at it, I'm like, that's just cool. Like, it's just so clean looking. When in real life, like, it would probably have like a million buttons up the front of it.
1: Right. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Like, you look at it and it's something so simple, but just rewiring your brain to be like, well, there can't be any fasteners on this. How do we do this? And you're like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Velcro? Like <laughs> <laughs> or it's just they, hidden, you know.
0: They just used Velcro and everything. <laughs> Most of the time they're snaps or um or hook and eyes. Yeah. Uh who didn't need a ton of hidden fasteners? We have Lando Cal Rizian played by Billy D. Williams.
1: Yes. Uh
0: one of my favorite characters. <laughs> <laughs> For Bestfin, they had almost endless possibilities. Malo produced more sketches. For the inhabitants of Bespin and the Cloud City than for anything else on the films. Hmm. Uh, while many different looks were discussed for Lando, a simple design was considered best. However, a over-the-top cloak left <laughs> the flashy personality of Lando come through. Uh, it's made of a blue felt and is lined with the reverse side of a dragon-printed silk. Oh,
1: wow. interesting. Which I would
0: not have guessed. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like felt. It doesn't look like felt. And I thought this was just like a silk-like paisley pattern. So I was like, it's the 70s. Paisley's all over the place." Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I always loved the cloak. Um, you know how I feel about a good cloak cloak or a cape. Um, but what makes it so like flashy in Lando is that collar. To yeah. me, it's giving like... Almost like a Dracula type collar you would see in like a yes. Party City cape, which makes it so fun to me. It's kind of campy, and Billy D. Williams gives it such a style with that cloak. Uh, definitely one of my favorites too.
2: But also, he just like his swagger. Whenever you're putting a cloak on, you have a different way of walking so that it flows. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <And> he does.
2: <laughs> he does such a good job wearing this costume. You know how they always have that saying that like some people wear the costume but sometimes the costume wears you um he wears it like yeah. he owns this costume
0: <laughs> yeah
1: there's nothing been said more true on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> Nope,
0: nope. he wears that costume i especially love like the stills I just, just from the screen test where like, you could tell he's like loving this cave. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know what music was playing in the background when they were shooting. these.
2: Right? Oh,
1: something <laughs> very fun, <laughs> but I do love uh, how we, how you mentioned uh John Mallow doing a lot more sketches for the cloud city uh, because to me that is like pinnacle John Mallow too. that kind of, you know, we talked about alien last year and that kind of, futuristic but not science fiction look to me that really stands out on a cloud city where it, yeah. you could tell that's not this isn't the 80s but it's also not like super high-tech uh, science fiction either which i think is john Mallow's kind of like signature costuming
0: yeah i agree it was also like this was the first time they were introducing like a whole new culture mm-hmm. within the the three films um so they were like We have a whole new like cast of people to like play with. So they really just went for it. Another look from (laughs) the Cloud City is Leia's dinner outfit.
1: Such a good one. And
0: it's such a good one. And Lucas imagined Bespin to kind of have like an art deco aesthetic. And it is clearly shown in the new outfit Leia is given. Since this costume was a departure from the color scheme and style we're used to seeing Leia in, Malo had a hard time deciding what the look should be. He said, in a film like this, you can go in any direction provided it works in the end. After much discussion, we decided Leia's dinner dress should have a slightly Indian look. We wanted it sort of soft and simple. The look was created by an independent shop, Spaghetti Limited, (laughs) in London, Nice. and many hours went into the hand-embroidered cloak. By the end of it, Malo said the look was the closest we ever got to a spacey costume.
1: Interesting. You know, I've never really looked at this one up close in pictures. I just see it moving in the film, but there's just so many interesting textiles to this you could definitely you could tell that this one they spent a lot of attention on unlike some of the other costumes they actually this was like a costume designed piece if you know what i'm saying
2: it's also interesting that it's not finished Um, in terms of the design so if you look at it like completely laid out the motif repeats I believe five times but the two in the front are cut off so they're not fully finished Mm -hmm. which I found interesting it's like why not finish it did they make them too big and then it you know looked odd on Carrie or why was it not the full image Um, and, and then also throughout the entire costume is rose gold piping oh down the That's center around arm. the hem, like and it has a loose hem. It doesn't have a closed hem, mm-hmm. uh, which is also interesting, but it allows for that flow when she walks, which is so pretty.
0: Absolutely. Um, I also love how they kind of very much late like, still made this a Leia look, which is like kind of like the more like tunic dress and like pants underneath it. Cause in the script, uh, Lucas wrote that she changed into a beautiful dress. So it's like. I like I get where he was thinking like oh they kind of like I felt like originally the idea was like oh like put her in like a pretty dress because she's a princess and like they'll like trap her there but I like that they went more in the direction of like no this is still Leia like she can still like snap into action at any moment you can wear pants <laughs> yeah. yeah you can wear pants and be beautiful yes
1: right and they just drove the millennium falcon out of the mouth of a giant like asteroid worm so i wasn't yeah. i don't think she was like i need to put on a cute sundress you know like yeah <laughs> this just makes more sense to me
0: <laughs> absolutely um who was definitely not putting on a beautiful dress uh was luke
1: uh <laughs> that was a cool transition <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you uh well this look went through many different versions uh they settled on a basic combat suit as just being the most versatile look for what they needed Originally envisioned as a jumpsuit, the final version was created as a pan and jacket set with Velcro added to the top of the pants and bottom of the jacket so it would not ride up during fighting sequences. Because of the many stages of distressing that were required, roughly 16 multiples were produced for hmm. this one look.
1: So they are doing multiples interesting they
0: are but this like it is falling off him the end of this movie
1: yeah yeah, it really goes through a lot um i
0: mean they had to make one with no forearm because
1: (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh i wonder why um that's a good that's a good actually like note to think about how one day we're like okay well we got cut all the sleeves off you know
2: (laughs) We gotta weather it slightly but i also love if you look at these pictures of him in it how high those pants must be on him because i know the velcro has to keep it but look at where they end where his belt is and then they keep
0: going up yes that's why i just always thought that this was a jumpsuit (laughs) because with the velcro it just looks like a jumpsuit yeah
1: (laughs) that's so cool
0: but i like it because then you can you know if it's
2: yours you can wear the jacket on its own and be instantly recognizable but also you know
0: i should have like realized sooner that this was a two-piece outfit because now that like i'm thinking about it when he's on the planet he wears these pants and like just like a tank top a lot of the time Mm, yeah um but i never i never put two and two together so it's a pretty new movie we're learning about it Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. just came out <laughs> um, have not seen it too many times to count yeah and lastly but certainly not least we have a yoda voiced by frank oz um i think one of the most favorite jedi in the universe um
1: i love yoda and i love these concept sketches we're looking at because he is yes i mean he was looking extra yoda-y in the concept sketches
2: (laughs) he was also looking almost disney-esque in some of these like the blue and the top on the left
1: (laughs) (laughs) he was originally supposed to be a smurf it looks like but not positive
0: (laughs) well what um uh, Johnson and McQuarrie were working off the script where Yoda is described as a wizened little thing dressed in rags. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what they drew, I guess.
1: (laughs) Well, and that's where we were.
0: (laughs) And um, while the puppet for Yoda was created by Stuart Freeborn and his staff, uh, Malo still had the job of dressing Yoda and he took a cue from Ben Kenobi's wardrobe and created just a basic brown tunic and a raw silk kimono for Yoda and just distressed it to look as aged as possible.
1: I'm For all these years, I had no idea that a costume designer designed a costume for Yoda. That's really cool. I I guess I, know, I don't know who dressed him before. So that was really cool. It makes
2: sense, though. But it's kind yeah. of funny now that we have Grogu. You know, like with armor yeah. and and all this other stuff. Yeah. It's like right. poor Yoda just had a one rag,
1: yeah, you know, <laughs> like, one rag to walk around in. Brown potato sack Yoda, enjoy. <laughs> 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 but so kimono, yeah. I mean, that's kind of nice, oh, Yoda. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So. Oh,
0: yeah. It, when it was made, it was excellent, the best the Jedi <laughs> could offer. <laughs> Gotta leave Coruscant, man. Order 66 was coming down. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he had no time to pass. (laughs) (laughs) But with that, we have come to the end of The Empire Strikes Back.
1: Such a good film. I mean... It's one of the best. it never gets old. I could watch this a million thousand times. And here we are still learning new things about it. So it's the gift that keeps on giving.
2: It's so funny. I have a friend who has an Empire Strikes Back Darth Vader costume because obviously Vader's costume changes every movie. and i'm I'm paraphrasing because i I don't remember it's been so long. But I asked him, I said, why Empire? Why not Jedi? Why not the new Ho You know, Why Empire Darth Vader? And he said, come on, it's like perfect movie dude has son goes out, dude comes, son comes back. Son tries to kill me. (laughs) I I cut off his hand. It's perfect. Like
1: (laughs) it is. It's it's a beautiful family film. Absolutely. All right. (laughs) And it really is like peak Darth Vader. Cause to me, I feel like he's at his like best in this film until honestly, rogue one, like this is the coolest Darth Vader appearance to me. So, um, are you ready to play our favorite game? Yes. Now you yes, know how the rules. You know how the rules go, <laughs> right? <laughs> Daniel hit the track.
0: The one costume to rule them all.
1: Okay. Uh I will go first actually. My favorite costume, we didn't really talk about a lot, but that's because we have a lot of fun at scenes coming up for this guy in the future but i just love the boba fett armor just the first time you see him just standing there barely saying a word not doing much walking but just the mystery of seeing boba fett you just know like ooh, this guy's dangerous but what is that armor it's so different unique but then also kind of reminiscent to the stormtroopers it just to me had a lot of like storytelling in it that was yet to explore and that's like so exciting in terms of costume design it really had to do a lot of the work uh, actually for Boba Fett so definitely my one costume rule them all but I will say that the Wampa costume really (laughs) jumped up there at the end I mean I just didn't even know that existed honestly if I knew that before we started that probably would have been my one costume
0: (laughs) I I agree. Um, <laughs> and I love what you say, that like the costume had to do a lot of work because I guess like at this point, like the Mandalorians aren't a thing. And it's almost like they developed that whole like Star Wars culture from this look, mm-hmm. from this costume. Yeah,
1: I'd say so. I mean, I'm not going to speak for George Lucas, but, no. you know, <laughs> <laughs>
2: I have a lot more respect for this costume now that I've made Cobb Vanth, um, just because it's a lot of those pieces. Um, But one interesting fact that I don't know if you know, he's wearing a scuba harness. I think it's what it's called under to hold the jetpack.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: So there's a whole harness thing involved that they have to wear, and then the jetpack hooks on in invisible openings at the top um, <laughs> to keep it in place. That thing is really heavy, actually.
1: <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, it always seems to go wrong and twirl into pits and stuff. So
0: yeah, but I agree. It's just a really fun costume.
1: Yeah, Elizabeth, what is your one costume to rule them all?
0: Ah, uh, my one costume to rule them all is Leia's hoth look. And really just her primary look for this film. Um, like we said before, like it's elegant, she's gorgeous in it, but also like she can kick your ass <laughs> as soon as she needs to. <laughs> and it is like one of her most iconic looks. So that is my one costume to rule them all.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I think of Princess Leia, I tend to think of this look, not the look we're gonna see in the next film. You know, I think of this ah. look. Um And Natalie, last but not least, the grand (laughs) finale. What (laughs) (laughs) What is your one costume to rule them all?
2: There were so many good ones. It was really hard because I love them all. But um, I have to go with her Cloud City, Princess Leia's Cloud City maroon outfit. Just the the pantsuit with the beautiful cape, cloak, coat thing, however you want to call it, <laughs> over it. Her hairstyle is so iconic. Like you could just have that hairstyle and nothing else. And people will know Star Wars right away. She looks beautiful. She looks, you know, gorgeous, hot. And she's not showing any skin, like the epitome of class, elegance, all rolled into one. And it's a beautiful color. And it's it's just stunning. So my one costume to rule them all is that one. <laughs>
1: it's it's a solid one. I, I honestly yes. gained a lot of appreciation for it. I never really got too many close-up looks. So between Natalie and Elizabeth, I mean, this is definitely killer costume.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And if you want to tell us what your one costume to rule them all is, you can leave us a little voicemail at 626-515-1826 or email us at blogcast at gmail.com.
1: <laughs> thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Natalie for joining us. This was so fun.
2: Thank
1: you. We love your insight and uh, we hope to have you on again in the future because you have so much fun costume knowledge. You seem to know things that are just random and specific, which is why I'm obsessed <laughs> with you. <laughs> like well, thank I, you, my friend. <laughs> I could not stop staring at the measuring tape thing once you brought it up. I was like kind of tuned out the whole time. I just kept staring. <laughs> oh you're
2: gonna uh, go get your measuring tape and be like, hmm yeah. <laughs> spray paint. <laughs>
1: where where can all of our listeners follow you?
2: Um I'm most active on Twitter. TikTok and Instagram. On Instagram, I'm Leia Aurora, like Princess Leia, because she's my favorite princess. So Leia Aurora, and then on um, TikTok, it would be Leia Aurora fourteen, so the number fourteen. And on Twitter, it's movie lover for life.
1: Nice, nice, nice. nice I'm good. Gl- nice. It's so good they have that memorized. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again so much for joining us. And Elizabeth, next episode, we are going to continue the Star Wars theme. We're taking a deep dive into all 3 seasons of The Mandalorian. So make yeah. sure you all go and catch up on the final, well, not final, on the last few episodes of season 3. Um so good if you haven't seen it, definitely worth to watch. It ended strong. And until then, follow us on Instagram at the art of costume pod, TikTok at the art of costume merch store at theartofcostume.com slash pod store and don't forget to leave us a five-star text review on Apple Podcasts because it really does help and yes. finally may the force be with you. May the force be with you.
2: <laughs> and also
1: with you. <laughs> Thank you everyone the Art of Costume blogcast is hosted and produced by Elizabeth Joy Glass and Spencer Williams. Our audio engineering and editing is done by Dan White. Follow us on Instagram at the Art of Costume Pod, or visit the theartofcostumeblogcast.com for all blogcast updates. If you want to support the show, go to theartofcostume.com/podstore. For more costume reviews, deep dives, and interviews head over to theartofcostume.com, a blog dedicated to highlighting the best in costume design. Did either of you play Star Wars Battlefront? The game, no, just me. Ugh, the Hoth levels used to be the best. I know people listening are like, oh yeah, 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 I love that game. Anyways,
0: (laughs) I only, I only ever played Old Republic.
1: Okay, Yeah, 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 I guess I'm the only gamer. Whatever.
2: No, I'm a huge gamer, but I'm an extremely competitive gamer, even with myself. In it, it, so much, it's addictive. Um, and mm. then it becomes my whole life. So I purposely stepped back. Oh,
1: so okay. <laughs> You're like, we shouldn't even talk about it. It's going <laughs> to... <Yeah. laughs>